listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. But if I was to ask you this morning to make a top 10 list, to make a, a top 10 list of the things that frustrate you the most. And I thought, what about that time when you're asleep and you finally, like, you can just feel it in every ounce, every part of you, deep down in your bones, like you're asleep. And all of a sudden you hear the beep. And thing wakes you up and it's that smoke alarm going off in the middle of the night. Never happens during the day. It always lets you know when you're sound asleep. Or what about someone driving with their blinker on? You know, I don't know why that bothers me so much. It's their blinker, it's their car, but for some reason it does. Or the sweet old lady that's trying to use expired coupons, still paying with a check. Or the person that is over the 12 limit item in the line, and yes, I always count. That's why the sign says 12 or under. Or what about when it rains just enough to smear the bug guts and not to wash them off, you know? And, you know, I'm at that stage in my truck where, like, very few things work on it anymore, and that little washer container, it no longer works. Or what about when you think, and this has happened to me a few times, you're on that plane, Julie flies a lot, she's here, you're sitting on that plane and you think, oh, I'm finally going to have this seat next to me. And I mean, they give you that, hey, the door's about to close. And the person steps on the plane, and there's 50 free seats, and they have the one next to you, and you think you almost had it. Well, for me, my greatest frustrations are when things do not work like they should. I really want to have the conversation to say, toilet, you have one job. <laughs> this is only one job is to take things and take them out. And when you can't get that right, that is frustrating. Or a car, it's supposed to take you from A to B, and when it can't even do that, the AC in your house or wherever, it's supposed to keep you comfortable, and it can't do that. Or what about this one? You have one job, Bill Changer, at the car wash. There's one job. The only thing you are there to do is to take my dollar bill and give me four quarters. And when you can't do that, it's just, I mean, frustration in my blood just begins to boil. But the brutal truth is that most things... In fact, everything from time to time will not function as it should. Your job, your bosses, employees, your customers, you know what? They're not always going to function like they should. Your marriage, that other person that you're in that relationship with, they're not always going to treat you with the respect and the love that they should. If you haven't learned this yet, your children are not always going to react and respond the way they should. It's just not going to happen. Things, no matter what it is, people are not always going to function like they should. Now, here's something that's going to really shock you. Our government and the politicians, they're not always going to act like they should. Our judicial system, you know what, from time to time, it will not always make the right decision. Our educational system, it is not always going to perform as it should. And our churches and its leaders are not always going to represent Christ as they should. You know, sometimes the perversions 
They're going to be minor. There's not going to be really uh, much harm. But there's going to be times. There are going to be times when our judicial system, our government, our religious leaders, they are going to cause great harm. And this is exactly where we find ourselves in Micah 3 today. Micah was, must be a pretty creative guy, or maybe he's just, just that, that kind of, I don't know, engineer thing. But he gets to chapter 3, and guess what he does? Chapter 3 of Micah. Three sections, and each of the three sections, there are three parts. I don't know why he does that, but he just does. But in Micah chapter 3, we're going to see three sections. Each section has got three parts. And there is going to be the three parts of this. He's going to talk about a group, and he's going to accuse them, and he's going to identify them. The second thing he's going to do, he's going to lay out the crimes against them. And then he's going to give punishment. And here's what we're going to see today. First, he's going to talk about judges. He's going to talk about when we have corruption in the courts. And what these people are going to do, they're going to misuse the responsibilities God has given them, and they're going to misuse them. There's going to be corruption. The second group, he's going to talk about prophets and the the corruption of their words. They're going to misuse the words of God. And then the last group is going to be a group of people that is kind of a conglomerate. Collectively, we're going to see leaders creating a corrupt system. And what they're going to do, though, they're going to misuse God's promises to His people. And so once again, three groups accused their crimes, and we'll see their sentence. And then at the end of the day, I hope that we'll be able to some way relate this to to our day and time. But I want to warn you, this first section is a little graphic. I hope you have some appetites for lunch at the end uh, because Micah goes to some dark places. So in your Bibles, remember it's page 1,241. If you're having problems finding it. But Micah chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. He says, And I said, begins a new section, Hear, you heads of Jacob, Then rulers of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know justice? So the first group he goes after are the judicial leaders. These are the leaders, the ones that should know what justice looks and smells and it tastes like. They should be able to spot justice and even injustice from a mile away. But what does Micah have in mind when he's talking about justice? Because I, I had to stop and go, what, what does he have in mind? Well, the, the way I see it, that justice is kind of twofold. The first kind of side of justice is that it's the time when the standard by which penalties are assigned for breaking laws. And I think this is typically what we think about when we hear justice. That someone has done something and there's a penalty for what they have done and they need to pay. And when someone doesn't have to pay or maybe they get off, we scream, that's not justice. But there's a second side to this word. The second side of justice is where the weak find protection from the strong. In fact, our society, in Micah's society, was full of what Scripture refers to people as weaker. Groups of sojourners meaning resident aliens, people that are not from here, but they are here now. They are seen as weak. There's another group of servants, 
the scripture uses it as slaves. Orphans are a group that scripture often uses for weak widows, even the sick. But what do we mean by justice with these groups that scripture calls weaker? And each of these groups is what was happening. There are specific needs that keep them from being able to participate in aspects of the life of their community. And when the weaker person cannot do that, when they cannot participate, justice comes along and involves in helping people become a part of their community. Justice involves helping meet those needs. So justice in Micah's time could be a community coming together to care for that widow that no longer had someone to provide for her. And the community would come around her and support her and help her to be able to be a part of the community. Justice in our days, we could see it in so many places. We're about to head into an election cycle. and Justice could be helping someone participate in community, participate in voting that maybe couldn't get there by themselves. So justice is helping others be able to participate in the life of our community. And that's what Micah has in mind. And so what we've got here is a group of people that are supposed to be the leaders. They're supposed to be the ones making sure evil is punished and that the weak have a way of participating in the life of the community. But let's see what they're actually doing. Verse 2 through 3. You judicial leaders, you hate the good and you love the evil. Who tear the skin uh, from off my people and their flesh from off their bones. Who eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin uh, from off them. And break their bones into pieces and chop them up like meat for a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. So they were not just refusing to punish the guilty. They were not just refusing to help the weak. They were perverting justice. In fact, they were punishing the innocent. And they were rewarding the guilty. And this is why Micah uses such graphic language. They were feeding on the ones that they should be have been defending and protecting. They're using their power for their own advantage in depriving others of their basic rights in a community. And they should have loved what is good and hated evil by protecting the rights of all of the members of society. Instead, Micah says they were guilty of doing exactly the opposite. Instead of shepherding the people, the leaders here are pictured as exploiting and oppressing them like animals they're being butchered and cooked and eaten. And that's how evil these people were acting. In fact, they were not there to serve at all. They were there to take. They were not protecting people's rights. They were crushing them. So notice their punishment. Verse 4. Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because they have made their deeds evil. So they were supposed to be the ones who knew what true justice was. They were to be the ones who know and to practice justice. But they will find themselves crying out for exactly that. 
They will be crying out for justice. Maybe there's something that will be done against them, or maybe there's a way that is hindering them for participating, and they're going to cry out for justice. But guess what they'll find? They will not find it. They will find themselves victims, maybe of evildoers that should have been punished. They will find themselves being weak and in need, but there will be no one there to hear their pleas. So group number one, we we see the injustice of the courts. Group number two begins at verse five, and it's the injustice of the prophets. Look at the beginning, it says this in verse five. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets. So the second group is this group of men, these prophets, like Micah, were the ones that would receive a message from God and then they would bring this message to the people. They were to deliver exactly what God had said. They were not to create the messages. They were simply to be the ones that were delivering the message. They were supposed to be, in fact, co-workers of Micah. Micah says that about them, but notice their crime. For you who led my people astray, who cry peace when they have something to eat, but you declare war against him who puts nothing into your mouths. So instead of leading the people to God, they were leading these people astray. But here's how they were doing it. These men were were called by God to, to be his spokesman, to be his mouthpiece. But they abandoned their call for personal gain. If people gave them gifts, if they fed their bellies, they gave them nice things, they would pronounce blessing over the people. But if the people refused to give them something of value, they would declare war and punishment and curses upon the people. In fact, these men, they became guns for hire. And if you kept them wealthy and fed, you stayed on God's side. But if you withheld anything from them that they wanted, they would turn around and they would declare war on you according to God. And so to these people, money talked louder than God. And they were using God and His Word for their own personal selfish gain. So look at their punishment in verse 6 through 7. The crime is the prophets are the one that committed it. Their crime is, is misusing God's word. So here's their punishment. Therefore, it shall be night to you without a vision and darkness to you without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets and the day shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced. Diviners shall be put to shame. They shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer for God. So the judicial leaders, you know, they were the ones that were to know justice, and they perverted that. So when they need justice, they can't find it. So now we have the religious leaders. They are to simply communicate. God God would give them visions. He would bring words to them. They were to know His presence. They were to be the lights in the community. But because of their injustice and the perversion of God's word, he says they'll no longer hear from him. He says, I will withhold my visions. 
fact, you're so supposed to be light, but guess what? You'll be in total darkness. You're supposed to be my messengers, the messengers of Yahweh, but you know, you'll be nothing more than a seer. You'll be nothing more than a fortune teller. These were supposed to be people that knew God's favor in His presence. But because they were misleading people by promising them in light of God's favor and peace for monetary gain, the darkness of God's judgment was going to fall at them. They're going to call out to God for an answer, and God is not going to give them a word. So we've seen the, this disruption, these people, because they were supposed to receive visions and hear from God, but they're misrepresenting God, and God says, then I'm going to be silent. They were supposed to be God's messengers, but now they were going to be nothing more than these simple fortune tellers. But here's the thing, these prophets, they knew better. They were not prophets of Baal. They were supposed to be God's prophets. They knew the truth, but instead they they preferred to speak lies. And their actions, it moved them from being friends of God to now they're enemies of Him. But notice in verse 8, we have a little something. We have this small ray of hope in a cloud of corruption. In fact, in this sea of corruption, there's this one little bitty lifeboat, and it's Micah. Look at verse 8. But as for me, he says, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. So right here in the middle of all this corruption, this cloud and this sea of corruption, we have this small ray of hope. And it's so important to notice what he says about himself. He says three things about himself. He says he comes, first of all, in power. But it's not in his own power. You notice that? It's in the power of God's Spirit. In fact, Micah knows that he is doing something that is beyond what he could naturally do on his own. But then he says he's also with justice. Remember our definition that Micah is living for the welfare of others. He's speaking for the mute. He's seeing for the blind. He is being the father to the fatherless. When injustice happens, he is calling foul and he is standing up for it. He is helping all of those around him to be included in the community. But he also says he is coming in might. Meaning he is coming, and I love what that word means in the Hebrew. It says, Micah is coming with holy courage that enables him to face any danger in delivering his testimony. Meaning Micah fears God above man. And so in this sea of corruption of the courts in this judicial system, in the corruption with all of the religious leaders and the prophets, there is this small ray of hope of justice and truth. But Micah's not done. There's a last group. We've seen the injustice of the courts and we've seen the injustice of God's word with his prophets. And this last group is the injustice of what I would just call the political leaders. It's a group of people. Look at verse 9. Hear this, our third group. Listen up, he says. You heads of the house of Jacob, 
and the rulers of the house of Israel, who detest justice, make crooked all that is straight, who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. So first of all, he says, judges, you distort justice. And we've seen that before. Prophets, you distort God's word. But now what we have is an entire group of people that have created and are allowing an entire system of corruption. They've built a community, it says, out of blood and iniquity. And so Micah is going to call out once again now three groups. Look at verse 11. It's heads or kings. You give judgment for a bribe. It's priests. The, the teachers, you teach for a price. And it's prophets, your religious leaders, you practice divination for money. Yet, they will lean on the Lord and say, Is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us. So three groups he pulls out. Heads or kings... They can be bought or they can be influenced with a bribe. Priests or teachers, they can be purchased for the right price. Prophets or religious leaders that you can give and they'll tell you what you want to hear. But here's the worst of it all. They are all conspiring together and doing all of this in the name of the Lord. They, they felt like they had a free pass. They felt like they had a free pass to do whatever they wanted to. Now, why would they think that? What would they be standing on that makes them think that this is okay? In fact, they even say, there's no disaster. No disaster will fall upon us. Well, here's what they're doing. They were trusting in their nationality for protection and security. They were saying, because we're God's people, because we are his chosen nation, because we are in this holy city of Jerusalem, God would never really allow any evil to happen to us. He would never punish us. We are the ones that he picked. We are his nation. In fact, they were saying, no, we just need to live for ourselves and for this moment, because there is no way God could ever be against us. In fact, they felt like they had a license to sin. I mean, don't you, don't you feel the implication for us here? If we're not careful, we can hide behind the banner of God's love and grace and thinking that it gives us free reign to do whatever we want. In fact, Paul, he had this same mindset presented to him in Romans chapter 6. They'd heard him talking about this thing called grace, and they kept saying, Paul, if this idea of grace is so wonderful, then we've got an idea. Let's just live for what we want. Let us just live our lives. Let us jump and go after everything that we want and make ourselves happy for self-gratification. And then look how much greater grace will be in light of all that we've done. In fact, we're doing God a favor here. But the problem is that when we have that mindset, Paul says, by no means, that grace does not give us a license to sin. 
Now, can God forgive any sin? Absolutely. There is nothing that God's grace cannot wash clean. But if we leave and we just do what we want and we live for our own personal satisfaction, then we do not understand God's grace at all. And these people, they were hiding behind their flag. They were hiding behind their nationality. They were hiding behind their identity as Israel and saying, no, it's okay, we can do what we want. There's no way he would ever turn on us. Look at how worse everyone else around us is. But then notice their punishment in verse 12. Therefore, because of you, Zion, shall be plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins, and the mountain of the house a wooden height. It was inconceivable for them that Jerusalem, Zion, the holy city, and the Lord's temple, Solomon's temple, would ever be destroyed. And God says that he will bring it all to ruins. God will take everything they are trusting in away. And they thought they were actually building God's kingdom. They thought they were the builders of Zion, when in reality, they had turned out to be the ones that would bring it to its knees. And this is even what we see today. Each and every group realized exactly, and they received exactly what they deserve. God is carrying out before us justice. He held up the people. He held up their crime. And their punishment was exactly what they deserved. You are supposed to be for justice. You will not find it. You're supposed to hear from me. I will be silent. You're supposed to be an example of me. A city on a hill. I will bring you to ruins. And we see they're getting exactly what they deserve. So, what can we possibly take from this today? Well, I think Micah 3, in these 12 verses, I think it really gives us a window into God's heart this morning. I want to follow Micah. He's been doing this whole thing three all morning long. Chapter 3, three sections, three parts, even three things about himself. So, three simple, well, not simple, but three points of maybe application for us today. One, what I see in Micah 3 is that we should hate what God hates. God hates injustice. We've seen that. God hates false religion. He hates hypocrisy. Meaning, you know what? We as believers, we need to stand up for injustice. We need to be looking around us and how we can help others engage and be a part of our community. We need to make sure that we're not attaching sin to true religion. We need to stop doing things that bring God shame while proclaiming to be all for Him. We need to make sure we're not abusing grace for our own personal satisfaction. So we need to hate what God hates. He hates sin. He hates injustice. He hates false religion. And then the second thing, is I think we need to use our power. You see, the world always has and it always will be a place of inequality. It just always has and it always will. There will always be those that have and there will be have-nots. There will be those with power and those without it. 
But here's the thing, that is a good thing. God did not create a world where everyone was totally equal. I mean, all we have to do is look at the animal kingdom. Not everything's a lion. Some have to be the gazelles. And there's, there's a purpose in all of it. Think about marriage. God created Adam and Eve. He did not create two equal Adams. Why? Because there is beauty in their inequality. The man in some areas is stronger, and the woman in some ways is stronger. The husband is to protect and to love his wife, and the wife is to respect her husband. They have different strengths and weaknesses, and they are to complete each other. But you know what? You, you have power, and you have strength in certain areas. Some of us have more strength in our finances because God has blessed you that way. Some of you have more strength in certain gifts and talents. Some of you have more mobility and flexibility in your schedules. Some of you have more strength in your influence. And we're to use all of these strengths to serve one another and to serve those that don't. Inequality is a beautiful thing, and we are supposed to be fighting to help everyone be a part of the community. Well, the last thing I see that maybe a point of application is that in a sea of corruption and a cloud of perversion, there's always hope. Because you know what? There are things that are worse than death. There are things that are worse than an election that no one wants to participate in. There is a lot of things worse than looking at a system that is failing us over and over and over again. It's death without hope. It's an election without hope. It's systems without hope. But our hope isn't in any of those. Micah is placed in this as an example of hope in the midst of corruption. There were corrupt prophets and priests and kings. And Micah, he stood in the gap. He was a man of power. He was doing something beyond what he could naturally do. He was a man of justice. He was living for the welfare of others. He was a man of might. He had courage to face all kinds of dangers. And I think it's easy to see what this, or better, who, this should draw our attention and gaze upon. You know, yes, we live in a time of great corruption. We live in a time where systems are failing all around us. There are those that are taking advantage of the weak and refusing to punish the guilty. There are those that are perverting God's word for their own personal gain. There are leaders who are creating a system that fosters corruption. And we are surrounded by corruption in a sea of it. But there is also corruption right within us. In many ways... That could be us. We have been the ones to take advantage of others. We have misused God's grace in our life for our own personal satisfaction. We've created systems that put our needs above others. We've been guilty of trying to even build our own kingdoms. But in the midst of our corrupt lives, God always gives a ray of hope. And that hope is the one that is the perfect prophet, priest, and king. In fact, he's the one that comes with all power, in perfect justice, with all might. And his name is Jesus. 
I mean, he's the one that lived the life that we couldn't. He's the one that died the death that we should have. He's the one that gave the sacrifice that we can never give. And he's the one that comes and conquers the enemies that we can't conquer. And so I'd ask you this morning, do you know him? Do you know this perfect prophet, priest, and king in the midst of all of this corruption? Do you know him? And then I'd ask you, if you do, are you following after him are you allowing all the other things going on around you to distract you from what is most important and so this morning i want us to close with a time of reflection about that do you know him and are you following him this morning i'm going to close us in a word of prayer during this time i'm going to ask one of our elders paul keel to come and lead us in a time of communion and and during our prayer men if you're going to serve if you would simply line up on the side to deliver the elements this morning. Let me pray. Father, this morning, thank you for the truth that we have. Thank you that in a time of great corruption and perversion that you had hope in the man named Micah. And that through him you would continue to bring your message But Father, for us today, we can relate to that. We live in a time of great corruption. But Father, the greatest corruption oftentimes is what is in our own hearts. And we are in need of healing. We need that perfect prophet, priest, and king to represent us. But Father, in the midst of the corruption, even of our own lives, thank you for the hope that you give. It is in your son's name that we pray. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.